The Global Democracy and Justice Lecture Series with Oded Gilad and Dina Freeman. Episode 17, Hideki Yukawa, World Peace Through World Federation. In this video, we are going to look at the life and thought of another important world federalist, Hideki Yukawa, a world-leading physicist and Japan's first Nobel Prize winner. Yukawa, like Einstein, felt that the world needed to be organized into one federation in order to bring an end to war in general and the threat of nuclear war in particular. And as a citizen of Japan, the country that suffered the devastating destruction of the American atomic bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, his voice had a particular weight and importance in the post-World War peace movements for nuclear disarmament and world federation. Yukawa was born in Tokyo in 1907 to a family of scholars. He was the fifth of seven children, most of whom also went to become scholars. His father was a geologist studying the nature of the earth, and soon after Yukawa's birth, he took a position as professor of geography at Kyoto Imperial University, and the family moved to Kyoto. His grandparents also lived in the household and had a great influence on Yukawa as he grew up, immersing him in traditional Japanese and Chinese thinking. His mother's father had been a samurai warrior at the Wakama castle until the Meiji regime abolished the samurai class, and he had a great knowledge of both Chinese and Western thought. His father's father was a retired Confucian scholar and a teacher of Chinese classics. Thus, the young and super-talented Yukawa learned to read kanji, the Chinese characters, and indeed to read the Chinese classics, even before he entered school. He found the Taoist works of Lao Tzu and Zhuang Tzu particularly interesting, as they focused on man's relation with the world of nature and his oneness with it. Their holistic style of thinking and their use of parable and metaphor also enchanted the young Yukawa and deeply influenced his later thinking and approach to both physics and world affairs. Yukawa was a quiet and bookish child. He found it hard to express himself and was often silent and withdrawn. He was not very sociable, and while at high school, he took little notice of the normal run of student life around him. He took little interest in student politics or in the momentous social changes that were taking place in Japan at the time. As the country industrialized, workers moved from the countryside to the urban factories, and agitation for both labor rights and democracy started. Instead, Yukawa immersed himself in the world of books and ideas about the fundamental nature of the material world. He even taught himself German, the leading language of science at the time, so that he could read the most updated and advanced theories of physics that were available. He found in a local bookshop a copy of Max Planck's Introduction to Theoretical Physics and poured over it for hours, finding it fascinating and inspiring. In 1926, at the age of 19, he went to Kyoto University to study a degree in physics, graduating in 1929. And then, in 1932, he took up a position as a lecturer at the same university and married his wife, Sumi. Even as the political situation in Japan started to change in the 1930s, with the rise of ultranationalism, militarism, and imperialist moves into Manchuria, Yukawa stayed in his ivory tower and focused all his attention on the world of particle physics. In 1933, he moved to Osaka and joined the modern new university that was being built up there. It was a stimulating place with a strong physics department, and Yukawa began to focus on the question of how protons and neutrons 
were actually bound together in the nucleus of atoms. In 1932, the leading German physicist Werner Heisenberg had proposed that this binding force was created through the exchange of electrons between the protons and the neutrons. But there were many problems with this theory, and Yukawa was convinced that there was an alternative explanation. Yukawa reasoned that a very strong force was required to keep neutrons and protons from flying apart due to electromagnetic repulsion, and this force was far stronger than the force that could be supplied by the exchange of electrons. One night he woke up with an insight. There must be a relationship between the intensity of that force and the mass of the binding particle. And thus, drawing on his distinct ability to think outside the box, he suggested the existence of a new subatomic particle with a mass some 200 times that of an electron. He called this particle the meson. In 1935, at the age of 28, he published his first major academic paper, in which he proposed a new field theory of nuclear forces and predicted the existence of the meson. This paper would eventually go to earn him the Nobel Prize for Physics and win him fame in the national and international scientific world. But at this point in time, it was simply ignored. For two years, it had absolutely no impact at all. Nicholas Kemmer, one of the first Western physicists to work on meson theory, later wrote that Yukawa in 1935 was ahead of his time and found the key to the problem of nuclear forces when no other theoretical physicist in the world was ready to accept it. Yukawa was not deterred, because he was completely convinced that his ideas were correct, and he believed that what was true must sooner or later be understood and accepted. Then, in 1937, American physicists Carl Anderson and Seth Nedermeyer, who were studying cosmic rays in cloud chamber experiments, found particles that appeared to fit Yukawa's requirements and had the mass he predicted. Suddenly, his theory began to receive a lot of attention, but it was still highly debated and controversial because the other properties of the newly discovered particles did not quite match up with Yukawa's predictions. In 1938, he received his PhD from Osaka University, and in 1939, at the age of 32, he took up a position as professor at Kyoto Imperial University. His reputation was beginning to grow now, and that same year he was invited to attend the Solvay Conference in Brussels, a highly prestigious meeting of a small number of world-leading physicists. This was Yukawa's first trip outside of Japan, and he was excited to meet and network with foreign scientists. However, the conference was disrupted by the outbreak of World War II, and all the Japanese who were in Central Europe at the time were evacuated to the United States. And so, unexpectedly, Yukawa suddenly found himself in New York. He made a good use of the opportunity and spent a month visiting nine universities and meeting many eminent physicists before returning to Japan. On December 7, 1941, the Japanese army bombed Pearl Harbor in the United States and officially entered the war, allied with Nazi Germany and Fascist Italy. Yukawa, like most Japanese nuclear physicists, continued on with his research work and also did not refuse to engage in wartime military research for the government. There was a strong team of Japanese theoretical physicists involved in nuclear research, and they were well aware of the significance of the discovery of nuclear fission in Germany in 1938. Several of these scientists were asked to look into the possibility of the development of an atomic bomb by the Japanese government. Yukawa himself was involved in a nuclear bomb project organized by the Japanese Navy, 
and they tentatively concluded that it was not possible to make a nuclear bomb at the time. However, in 1945, they were proved wrong. Even as Germany and Italy surrendered, and the leaders of many countries had met in San Francisco to draft the United Nations Charter and then sign it in June, Japan continued to fight. On August 6th, airplanes of the US Army dropped an atomic bomb on the Japanese city of Hiroshima, immediately killing around 80,000 people and causing tens of thousands more to later die of radiation exposure. Three days later, on August 9th, they dropped a second atomic bomb on the city of Nagasaki, killing another 40,000 people. A few days later, Japan's emperor Hirohito finally announced his country's unconditional surrender. After the war, Japan was occupied by US forces until 1952. During this period, a new constitution was written, which included the famous Article 9, which states that, aspiring sincerely to an international peace based on justice and order, the Japanese people forever renounce war as a sovereign right of the nation and the threat of the use of force as means of settling international disputes. This path-breaking article received widespread support from the Japanese public, who were by now war-weary and keen to rally around peace and pacifism. It also seemed important and sensible to many nuclear scientists, including Yukawa, who were still reeling from the shock and surprise of the US-created atomic bomb. And as we shall see, it came to play an important part in Yukawa's thinking about the route to a world federation. The post-war years were a time of great reflection and debate in Japan, as intellectuals, scientists and the broader public pondered on the effects of ultranationalism, militarism and the devastation caused by the war. A wide and popular peace movement began to develop, initially springing out of the labor movement, but quickly spreading more generally across the society. A central slogan was, no more Hiroshimas. The huge suffering and the destruction caused by the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki was initially censored by the occupying US forces. But as the terrible and terrifying news became apparent, a strong movement not just for peace, but specifically for nuclear disarmament also began to develop. In these early days, the peace movement was heavily tinged with remorse over the war and the misuse of science, as well as a sense of human conscience and an uncontrollable fury against atomic bombs. Scholars and scientists, particularly nuclear scientists, took a leading role in these discussions. They were still shocked that the results of the research had been used to cause such devastation and suffering, and they felt a new social responsibility to lead the way towards peace. In 1948, over 50 leading Japanese scholars met to discuss the conditions of peace and in December, they issued a statement of scientists in Japan on the problem of peace. They wrote, War is originally a method, a most primitive method, resorted to by men in an attempt to solve certain problems. Today, both winners and losers alike suffer from almost incurable wounds from war. Furthermore, inasmuch as any future war is bound to be atomic and or biological, humanity faces the danger of extermination once it breaks out. Therefore, it devolves as an urgent responsibility upon present-day scientists that they make vividly clear the tragic consequences of any future war and carry on the task of enlightening the public and statesmen of every nation upon this matter. Following this, 
they created a permanent study group of scientists known as the Peace Study Group to continue discussing these issues. Yukawa mainly kept quiet at this time and was not involved in most of these early initiatives. The one major exception was his support of the Movement for World Federation as a route to peace, which was also coalescing in Japan at this time, as in many other countries around the world. While there had been earlier discussions about World Federation in Japan in the 1930s, particularly with Indian colleagues such as Mahatma Gandhi and Raja Mahendra Pratap, it is perhaps not surprising that the World Federalist Movement grew quickly in Japan in these post-war years. As the first and only target of the new and powerful nuclear weapons, it was in many respects a natural place from which new and creative proposals for a political reordering of the world that would prevent a final apocalyptic clash between nations should arise. Many leading Japanese intellectuals at the time supported World Federation, including economics professor Masamichi Royama, sociology professor Sugimori Koiro, and future Supreme Court judge Yokota Kisaburo. In the early post-war years, a number of World Federalist organizations were formed in Japan, including the Association for World Peace, formed in 1946 by Christian evangelist, labor activist, and social reformer Kagawa Toyohiko, who had been calling for world peace through world cooperatives since the 1930s, and the Institute for Permanent Peace, formed in early 1948 by Murikatsu Inagaki, a leading publisher, friend of Einstein, and translator of Emery Reeves' famous book about world federalism, The Anatomy of Peace, into Japanese. But perhaps the leading voice for world federalism was that of Yokio Ozaki, a long-serving parliamentarian, former mayor of Tokyo, and champion of democracy, civil rights, and liberty. During the 1930s, he had been a vocal and consistent supporter of parliamentary government and against the autocratic politics of the imperial regime. He had pressed for universal suffrage for both men and women and for liberal freedoms. In the post-war years, he worked to promote world federalism both inside the Diet, the Japanese parliament, and outside in wider society. Already in December 1945, he moved a resolution in the Japanese parliament, backed by some 30 supporters, proposing the establishment of a world federation in order to keep the peace. And in the following years, he published prolifically in a variety of journals calling for a world federation. For Ozaki, World Federation was the natural product of an evolution of mankind's capacity to identify and show compassion for an ever-growing community, beginning with the self, then the family, and then expanding to one's village, the nation, and finally the whole world. He looked at Japanese history and recalled the transformation that took place in the beginning of the Meiji period, starting around 1868, when the separate Han domains ruled by local lords united to form the modern state of Japan. For him, uniting the currently separate countries of the world into a world federation was the obvious next step along this path and the next step of human progress. In many respects, these views drew on ideas in Confucian philosophy, which called on people to climb further up the hierarchy of relationship into a greater and greater whole. In 1948, Several of the nascent World Federalist organizations in Japan came together to form the Union for World Federal Government. Ozaki became its first president, and Tagawa became its vice president. Along with Morikatsu and several others, Yukawa was also a founding member. 
Soon afterwards, the organization became a member of the World Movement for World Federal Government, the international umbrella movement that had been formed in Montreux, Switzerland in 1947, and which would later change its name to the World Association for World Federation, and then again to the World Federalist Movement. In 1949, the World Federalists established a multi-party body in the Japanese parliament, or Diet, called the Diet Members Committee for World Federation, with around 100 parliamentarians from across the political spectrum. The movement grew quickly, and by 1950, the Union for World Federal Government in Japan had over 4,000 members, organized in 50 chapters and a lively monthly journal called The World State. That same year, they held a public meeting in Tokyo, and some 5,000 people attended. The crowds were so large that the police had to turn people away. Like many in the wider peace movement, the World Federalists sought to use Hiroshima as a symbol for future world peace. In 1950, a group of young people began a protest fast in front of Hiroshima Station with the slogan, the way to realize no more Hiroshimas is to build a world federation. In 1952, the Union for World Federal Government organized the first Asian Congress on World Federation and held it in Hiroshima. This Congress was attended by Redhabinod Pal, Justice of the Supreme Court of India, Abdul Rahman, later the Prime Minister of Malaya, and other leaders of several Asian countries, joined Boyd Orr, former Director General of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, and then President of the World Movement for World Federal Government, also attended. The Congress issued the Hiroshima Declaration, a particularly Asian and post-Hiroshima take on world federalism, with an emphasis on nuclear disarmament, ending racial discrimination, and building understanding between the world's different religions. Quote, the Asian Congress for World Federation in the atom-bombed Hiroshima, recognizing the historic significance of this Congress, vowing solemnly to work for the abolition of war and in order to strengthen the spirit of brotherhood among men, which is basic to World Federation, unanimously declares to the entire world its determination to strive for one, the prohibition of the production as well as the use of atomic weapons, two, the drastic reduction of existing armaments leading to their total abolition in each nation, three, elimination of racial discrimination and establishment of fundamental human rights, four, removal of religious prejudice and promotion of cooperation among all faiths of the world, five, release in the immediate future of war criminals as well as prisoners of war detained in various countries, and six, opening up of natural resources for the solution of population problems. For implementation of the principles enunciated above and the matters agreed upon, we hereby resolve, basing our efforts on Mahatma Gandhi's Sutyagraha, power of truth, to promote with all our strength the movement for the establishment of a world federation. Whilst Yukawa had been present in 1948 as a founding member of the Union for World Federal Government, he was only marginally involved in these subsequent activities in the next few years. This was because he spent the years 1948 to 1953 in America. From 1948 to 1949, he was a visiting professor at Princeton University's Institute of Advanced Study. It was here that he met Albert Einstein and developed a friendship that would last until Einstein's death in 1955. Both men were nuclear physicists 
who felt a sense of responsibility after the detonation of the atomic bomb, and both had come to the conclusion that nuclear disarmament and world federation were necessary to maintain world peace and stop humankind from obliterating itself. While Einstein had encouraged the Americans to develop an atomic bomb so that they would have one before the Nazis, he was filled with remorse at its use against Japan. When he first met Yukawa, he took his hand, apologized, and cried. In 1947, a group of experimental scientists had finally found the meson, the particle that Yukawa had predicted in 1935. His theory was finally proved correct, and in 1949, he was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics. He was the first Japanese to receive a Nobel Prize, and he immediately became a national hero well-known across all of Japan. He stayed in America a few more years as a professor at the University of Columbia, and only returned to Japan in 1953, after the American occupation had come to an end. To honor him, the Japanese government established the Research Institute for Fundamental Physics at Kyoto University, and invited him to be its first director. He stayed there until his retirement in 1970, continuing his research into theoretical physics and making several further advances. On his return to Japan, he initially continued to stay silent regarding the atomic bomb and was little involved in the ongoing discussions and debates about peace and disarmament, but this was soon to change. In 1949, the Soviet Union had succeeded in developing their own atomic bomb, and since then, a nuclear arms race had developed between the USA and the USSR, with each country developing and testing bigger and more powerful nuclear bombs. In 1954, the US carried out a text explosion of a hydrogen bomb on the Bikini Atoll of the Marshall Islands. The estimated yield of 15 megatons was much larger than predicted, and consequently, 23 Japanese fishermen on the Lucky Dragon tuna fishing boat, were exposed to radioactive fallout and became ill from radioactive poisoning. One of them, Aikichi Kubuama, died some months later. The Japanese public were enraged. It was simply intolerable that their countrymen should fall victim to the dangers of nuclear weapons again. Many were also panicked about the radiation that was detected in the contaminated tuna fish and the radioactive rainfall in some parts of Japan, they began to feel that their daily lives were directly threatened by nuclear weapons. And thus, numerous groups, including labor unions, women's groups, religious groups, pacifist groups, academic societies, and many local assemblies of cities and prefectures, started to call for a ban on the use, production, and testing of nuclear weapons. The Lucky Dragon event, and the suffering it caused, also deeply shocked Yukawa. It was the tipping point that started him to break his silence about the atomic bomb and speak publicly about disarmament, peace, and the social responsibility of scientists. A few weeks later, he published a piece in a leading newspaper, Mainichi Shimbun, called Atomic Energy and the Turning Point of Mankind, in which he argued that humanity needed to come together in order to protect itself from the potential destruction of nuclear weapons and that scientists had a particular responsibility to be involved in these efforts. Later that year, he and Saburu Yamada, president of Japan's Academy of Arts and Sciences, established the Japan Council Against Atomic and Hydrogen Bombs, and they coordinated with many Japanese anti-nuclear groups to organize the first world conference against atomic and hydrogen bombs, which was held in Hiroshima in 1955. Also in 1955, 
Yukawa became one of the founding members of the Committee of Seven for World Peace. This was, and still is, a group of seven influential Japanese public figures that were brought together by Yasaburo Shimonaka, a leading publisher and the then director of the Union for World Federal Government. The group started to publish appeals calling for the abolition of nuclear weapons and the peaceful resolution of international conflicts based on the humanism and pacifism contained in Article 9 of the Japanese Constitution. The impact of the radioactive poisoning of the Lucky Dragon crew stretched far beyond Japan and reverberated around the world. It led to the formation of many anti-nuclear groups and campaigns, including the International Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament, the CND. In 1955, the renowned British philosopher Bertrand Russell wrote to Albert Einstein, suggesting that scientists should take a leading role in campaigning for the elimination of nuclear weapons. He proposed that a group of eminent scientists should issue a manifesto on the matter and then set up regular conferences in order to get into the details about how this should be achieved. Einstein of course agreed, and some months later they issued the Russell-Einstein Manifesto. Yukawa was one of the 11 scientists, almost all Nobel laureates, who signed the manifesto. This manifesto led to the establishment of a series of high-level conferences on sciences and world affairs, in which a small group of elite scientists would meet to discuss what humanity should do about nuclear weapons. The first conference was held in the town of Pugwash, in Canada, and the conferences have since been known as the Pugwash Conferences. Yukawa was one of the 22 scientists that attended the first conference in 1957. Shimonaka, his wealthy world federalist colleague, covered his travel costs, and together they drafted an appeal from the Committee of Seven calling for a ban on nuclear testing. But in Pagwash, the scientists had a wide array of opinions on how to deal with nuclear weapons, with many Americans arguing that each side in the Cold War should maintain their weapons as a deterrent. While Yukawa and several of his Japanese colleagues argued strongly against the policy of nuclear deterrence, this eventually became the dominant view of the Pagwash scientists. For Yukawa, the notion that peace could be brought about by two enemies arming themselves to the teeth seemed just ridiculous. In contrast to the more pragmatic scientists, Yukawa was a man of vision, and for him, world peace was not just about the balance of power, but about creating the right kind of a world structure which would make war impossible. This, he believed, was a world federation, in which each country would give up some of its sovereignty to a higher body, disarm itself, and renounce its right to wage war. And he strove to promote this idea among both Japanese scientists and among the broader population. In 1962, Yukawa and two of his colleagues initiated a similar series of conferences for Japanese scientists in Japan, which informally became known as the Japanese Pagwash. The final statement of the 1962 conference argued against the principle of nuclear deterrence and instead emphasized the significance of the Japanese Constitution's Article 9, which stipulated the renunciation of war. It said, As the country which has experienced the disastrous effects of nuclear weapons, and which has openly renounced war in its constitution, Japan is in a position to make a special contribution to world peace. They went on, Today, when the danger of the destruction of human race by nuclear warfare is growing ever more serious, Article 9 of the Japanese Constitution has a new significance, even greater than when the Constitution was first adopted. 
The statement also criticized traditional thinking and practices of international politics based on the concept of national sovereignty. Instead, it claimed, Confronted as we are by many pressing problems, our thinking must advance to a new dimension, transcending the current habit of looking upon national sovereignty as the highest of all values. He brought his particular views about world federalism and world peace into the World Movement for World Federal Government, which by now had changed its name to the World Association for World Federation. In 1961, he was elected as the president of the association and held this role until 1965 with Senegalese president Leopold Senghor as his vice president. In 1963, he presided over the 11th Congress of the World Association for World Federation, which was held in Tokyo. This was a huge congress, with around 1,800 delegates from Japan, along with well over 100 delegates from some 20 other countries. In his speech, Yukawa again set forth his idea that the best way to realize the World Federation would be for each country to renounce its right to wage war. Japan had already done this in its Article 9, and he suggested that it was eminently possible for other countries to follow suit. This, accompanied by a massive global reduction in armaments, could pave the way for the United Nations to transform into a true World Federation. Yukawa retired in 1970, but he continued his involvement with the World Federalist Movement and his writing and speaking about peace, nuclear disarmament, and World Federation through the renunciation of war. In 1980, just months before his death, he gave a powerful speech at the 30th Pagwash Conference. In it, he asked why, after all those years, there was still an arms race. What had gone wrong? I will quote directly from his answer. One of the fundamental causes of the present awful situation of the arms race, I think, is that we have rejected as unrealistic the original idea of Bertrand Russell that nuclear weapons are an absolute evil and must be eliminated. Another fatal cause may be that we have been so indolent, if not rather timid, in pursuit of a new world order where one can live without armaments. Designing such a new world order is indeed a difficult task, because it will be associated with some change to the present political status. A future scenario is not explicitly depicted in the manifesto. Insofar as I know, however, Russell and Einstein were considering this problem. In fact, in order to control the sovereignty of states, both were thinking of a world federation, an idea with which I am also sympathetic. Yukawa died in September 1981 in Kyoto. His wife, Sumi, long his ally and supporter in the cause of world federalism, continued his activities in the peace movement and the world federalist movement for many years more. There is much that we can learn from Yukawa's approach to world federalism. For him, world federation was necessary to bring about an end to war, and particularly to the potential total destruction of a nuclear war, a shadow which still hangs over our heads today. Yukawa was not interested in ideological issues and ideological divides, he was perhaps somewhat unaware of important social and economic issues, and he spoke little about colonialism, equality, and justice. But he was motivated by a deep love of humanity, a desire for humanity to continue and not blow itself up in a huge explosion derived from the results of his academic research. He drew on both Eastern and Western forms of thought, combining scientific rationalism with the more holistic and intuitive approaches of Taoism. He saw the world as a whole 
and believed that the most sensible, balanced, and peaceful way to organize it was a world federation. For many people across all cultures and political flavors, his vision can remain an inspiration. The Global Democracy and Justice Lecture Series is also available as videos on YouTube and other platforms. If you found the ideas in this episode interesting, please share it. <laughs>